You are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good Wednesday show for you. We're going to break down this Pac-12 race, which is fascinating because right now the Pac-12 is the best conference in all of football in college. And it's not even close, really. I know you SEC honks will be like, we got Georgia, we got Bama, we got LSU. Pac-12 is blowing your doors off this season in terms of better teams from top to bottom. Deal with it. You've been great for the last 20, 25 years. It's okay to admit that there's another conference that's better than you this year, because it is. I also want to talk about what's going on in the NFL. Um, Some numbers this past week in the NFL. uh, The Denver Broncos are a sad sack. And going to talk a little bit more betting. Going to talk a little about Josh McDaniel and the best and worst college teams against the spread this season in college football so far through four weeks. And we'll get to all that momentarily. All right, I want to start with this. I want to start with the Pac-12 this year. Did I say Pac-10 in the open? I might have, but Pac-12. And you've got six teams ranked in the top 25. And I'd say, yeah, I think you, I think UCLA dropped out, so maybe it's now five. But and Colorado dropped out as well. So I'd say everyone's talking about the five big ones right now in the Pac-12 this season, and that's without, you know, I think. We know Colorado's not there anymore. UCLA is still a good team. They only lost by a touchdown in Utah. So they're capable of beating any of them. But I will even eliminate UCLA for this talk and just talk about the big five that everyone's talking about, the ranked ones. Oregon, Washington, USC, Utah, and Washington State. All five of them are undefeated. Okay? So who's on whose schedule? Because sometimes you miss other teams. And... There's, you know, 11 other teams in the conference, yet you only play nine conference games. So who has a tougher run? Let's look at Oregon. They're at Washington next week. My guess is that's where college game day is going to be. They're going to be in Spokane, and that's going to be the game of the year so far in the Pac-12. And I'm telling you right now, I'm leaning towards Washington. If you have not watched Washington play, you need to. They are one of the most exciting teams in college football. Michael Penix is probably the Heisman front runner right now. Doesn't mean anything, but he probably is based on the way he's played. I think he's thrown 16 touchdowns and one interception in four games and over 400 over 300 yards, over 400 yards in the first 3 games. He probably would have thrown for over 400 yards in the last game, but they were up by so many against Cal. He got taken out in the fourth quarter. But that game next week in Washington's going to be awesome. So Oregon's got Washington at home next week, and these are and then three weeks in a row, starting with Washington next week, and then they go home to Washington State, and then at Utah, and then they're home against USC in November. So they got to play the other four. Does Oregon run that table? If they do, they might consider themselves the number one team in the nation because no one will have that resume beating four ranked teams. Actually, make it five because when they beat Colorado, Colorado was ranked. Let's look at Washington. They're home against Oregon, we know, in two weeks. Then they have a, you know, they have the middle of that schedule with the Cows and the Stanfords or whatever. But then Washington ends the season four weeks in a row at USC, home against Utah, at Oregon State, home against Washington State. Again, if they run the table, they're the good they're going to be probably in the college football playoff. USC, what does theirs look like? Well, they have at Notre Dame, even though it's not a conference game, still a losable game. They're home against Utah, and then they end the season with three straight. Home against Washington, at Oregon, home against UCLA. Not an easy gauntlet there. What about Utah? 
They're at Oregon State this Friday. That's going to be a tough game for them. And then later on in the season, at USC, home against Oregon, home again at Washington. So they have to play everybody. They have to play the other four. Washington State is the team that really, really makes out schedule-wise. They're at UCLA next week. They're on a bye this week. They're at UCLA next week. So coming off that big win against Oregon State, they get a bye, and then they go to UCLA next week. Then they're at Oregon two weeks later, and then at Washington to end the season. They miss USC and Utah. They've got Arizona, Arizona State, Stanford, Cal, and Colorado at home. Not all five of those at home, just kidding, Colorado at home. But in terms of what they drew in the schedule, the fact that they miss USC and Utah and you get, you know, you still have all your tough games are on the road. You got to go to UCLA, you got to go to Oregon, and you got to go to Washington. Not going to be easy, but that's still only three. Everyone else has to play four. So maybe Washington State is the favorite. I don't know if their defense is good enough. Can they win at Oregon, and can they win the Apple Cup at Washington at the end of the year? I don't know, but this is it's it's so ironic that this is the best year the Pac-12 has seen in decades, and it's the last year of the Pac-12 with all these schools going to different conferences next year. It's pretty, it's it's sad in one way, but it's also kind of awesome in another way. So let's look at some numbers in college football so far, because you know we've giving out gambling plays every week. We got your plays coming this Friday on the Sports Daily where I'll give you my update on my college games, my best bets, my three-team 10-point teaser, and the same in the NFL. But let's look at some teams that have done really well against the spread this year. Some teams are undefeated. Some teams haven't won a game against the spread. Something to keep in mind. Obviously, these aren't going to continue for the rest of the year. Nobody's going to cover all 12 games that they play. I don't even think it's ever happened. Maybe if it has, it's very rare because once they cover six, seven, eight, nine in a row, the line's just going to be so against them to cover. It'll just be almost damn near impossible. But so far through four games, there are five teams in college football who are four and against the spread and they're covering by four of them are covering by double digits. That means if the line is let's say their average line is minus 10, they're covering by at least they're winning the games by at least 20 points, meaning their cover margin over the spread is double digits. So right now the best team in college football covering is Oklahoma. They are cover, they're 4-0 against the spread with an average cover margin of 14.8. Now, I think a lot of that has to do with that first game that they won like 66 to nothing or whatever it was. So clearly that, that definitely helped. Remember when we had them as a best bet against SMU, they won by 17, and they were laying 15. So they only covered that game by two points. But when you couple it with a game they cover by 40, that now equals a 21-point cover margin. But they are the number one covering team in college football at 14.8. Liberty is also 4-0 against the spread. They're covering by 14.1 points. Oregon, 4-0 against the spread. They're covering by 12.8 points. UNLV, the run rebels. Apparently my uh, – under on UNLV five and a half wins this year, not looking good. They're already three and one, and they got Hawaii at home this week, and they're favored by double digits. Probably going to win that one. They're only two wins away from going over their win total for the season. They're four and zero against the spread, covering by twelve point three points a game. And Penn State four and zero against the spread. They're covering by eight point nine points. There are two teams that are undefeated, but they have a tie in there. Syracuse last week 
we had them, or we had Army plus the 13. That game pushed. But Syracuse is 3-0-1 against the spread this year, covering by 13.9 points a game. And who would have ever seen this? The boys from Piscataway. The Rutgers show. 3-0-1 against the spread as well. 11.5 points they're covering by. There's one 0-5 team in college football against the spread, and that is Vanderbilt. They are not covering by almost six points uh, uh, from the spread. There are five 0-4 teams against the spread. I don't need to tell you what they're not covering by, but all of them are right around a touchdown between six and eight points. Texas San Antonio, Minnesota, NC State, one of the reasons I bet Virginia last week and had them as one of my plays, Troy, and Illinois, 0-4 against the spread. There's three 0-3-1 teams against the spread. Baylor, who is just get Baylor is the worst team in college football in terms of against the spread covering because all those other ones I said were be they weren't covering between a touch uh, you know basically by a touchdown off. Baylor is 0-3-1 against the spread and their non-cover margin is 18 and a half points. Like they aren't coming close to covering games. Georgia. The number one team in the nation, 0-3-1 against the spread. Haven't covered a game this year and not covering by almost 10 points, 9.4. The third-ranked team in the nation, the Michigan Wolverines, 0-3-1 against the spread. Their one push was this past weekend against Rutgers, winning 31-7, laying 24 points. That was the push. They aren't covering games by 8.5 points. So keep that in mind when you want to go to bet this weekend. It doesn't mean that they're going to continue that streak. You never know when the streak is going to end because I could tell you next week, what if Baylor, Georgia, and Michigan all cover? Now going into the next week, they're 1-3-1 and one against the spread. Does that mean they're going to start a streak of covering games or they're going to continue the streak uh, or just resort back to not covering games? You just we, we just don't know. But it is an interesting tool to have when you are handicapping games, for sure, especially when you're looking at the non-cover margin. I mean, when Baylor isn't coming close and they're two and a half touchdowns off on the line on all four of their games this year, you're like, okay, I have to really look into betting against this team because they aren't even keeping games close. So it's almost like I haven't had to worry, you know, when you're looking at Baylor games. But it is something I'll incorporate in my handicapping as well. It doesn't mean I'm just going to sit here and be like, oh, I'm going to bet against I'm going to bet on whoever, you know, Texas San Antonio is playing and whoever Minnesota is playing, NC State, Troy, and Illinois. No, I'm not going to do that because I know these are going to come to an end at some point. And it's just a matter of finding the right spot. And same with the teams that are doing really well in covering. Oklahoma, 14.8 points covering the spread. but And and 4-0 against the spread. It's like, okay, it's something you keep in mind. But moving forward... We'll see how much I use it. So let's go to the NFL and look at your numbers for this past week. I wouldn't say a lot of things. There's one thing that stuck out in the totals. Nine favorites covered. Five dogs covered, all five of them winning outright. And there were two pushes. Well, depending on what the Chargers-Minnesota line was, what you got at it. It was was fluctuating between Chargers minus one and Minnesota minus one. So I just caught that. That that game, I thought, went off at a pick. So, And then Cincinnati on Monday night, the Rams got the backdoor uh, touchdown to only lose by three. That was definitely a push because it was Cincinnati minus three. But nine favorites covered this past week in NFL. 
five underdogs. All five underdogs won outright. That means 19 of the 23 dogs that have covered in the NFL this year have won outright, which is just an amazing, amazing statistic. That means through 48 games this year in the NFL, still only four times has the spread even mattered. All you got to do is pick the winner, and that's who covered the game. It's a pretty crazy stat. This past weekend in the NFL, unders were big hitters, 66% of them. 11 of the 16 games went under the posted total. The only five games that went over were Houston-Jacksonville, Denver-Miami. You think Denver-Miami went over? They only had 90 points. I think Miami went over by themselves in the first half. Carolina-Seattle, Dallas-Arizona, Chicago-Kansas City. Those are the only ones that went over, only five, which it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to course correct next week, but there is going to be a week this season where, you know, 12 out of the 16 end up going over. Shit, last week, what was it? Wasn't it 12 out of, wasn't it 12 out of 16 last week? Or is it in week, uh, yeah, 12 out of, um, one, two, three, four, 12 out of 16, mm, yeah, Thir- sorry, 13 out of 16. In week in um, in week two, went over. So twelve out of sixteen games in the NFL went under in week one. Then it came back with thirteen out of sixteen games went over in week two, and in week three back to unders where eleven out of sixteen went under. Does that mean we're looking at a weekend of overs in the NFL? I'd keep an eye on it. I'm definitely going to keep an eye on it, and I will report back to you. Uh, next week because this is the stuff I love keeping track of. This was the worst week in terms of blowouts in the NFL. We had eight teams that wouldn't have covered a 10-point tease. In the first couple weeks, we had only six teams, and one week we had four teams. So eight teams wouldn't have covered a 10-point teaser. Tennessee, Jacksonville, Denver, Washington, Atlanta, Baltimore, Dallas, and Chicago. So does it course correct? And we're back to only you know, much closer games next weekend. I think we could be heading towards that because there are a lot of closer lines. Yes, the uh, the uh, Niners are laying 14 against Arizona, but a lot of the other lines are very, very small this week. There's a couple lines that are seven. Dallas is seven-point favorites over the um, – no, whoops, wrong one. I have the wrong piece of paper here. But anyway – Dallas is seven-point favorites over New England, and I believe Kansas City is laying 10 at the Jets. But most other games are fairly lower lines, so just keep that in mind. And for the NFL, like, oh, yeah, and if you think that um, husbands out there, if you're listening, if your wife is kind of bothered by the fact that you watch the morning games and then you watch the afternoon games and then you watch the Sunday night game, just want to give her a heads up that this weekend is our first overseas game of the season. Atlanta at Jacksonville, I believe, is in England, right? Well, that's going to start earlier than the morning games. So you have four TV windows coming this Sunday. You might want to prepare your wives for that one. And sometimes, you know, I don't I don't know if I have to remind people of this, but I'm going to. When it comes to gambling and when I give you out the picks on Friday, you have to also remember, and this is when anybody gives out picks. You listen to any handicapper or any talk show host when they're picking games. Anytime someone is picking the game, you're doing it under the perception that the turnover battle is fairly even. Because 
if we knew going into the game that some team was going to turn the ball over five times versus the other team was going to turn it over once, of course we would never pick that team. So every time you hear somebody handicap a game, you are listening to them handicap it with the assumption that, okay, these games uh, are going to be close in the turnover battle. Well, you know, like I, you know, talking about last week, the Purdue line, the Purdue game, um, the Washington commander game, that was all, I'm not saying that's, oh, that's my excuse for losing. I'm just saying it's out there. It's, it's a real thing. Just keep that in mind that you can handicap the greatest. You could be like, I'm so on this game. I really have a great feel for this game. But once the game starts, you have no idea. If one, if your team that you pick turns it over four times in the first half, you're, you're screwed. You're shit out of luck. And all the handicapping and expertise you put into it before the game really doesn't matter. You're just doing it based off of, hey, I think if there's nothing crazy that goes on and also you're not handicapping injuries because you have no idea if that's going to happen. If a team's starting quarterback goes out, any analysis you did pregame is pretty much thrown out the window because it's all luck at that point if they do end up covering. Because when you were handicapping the game, you weren't saying, oh, and I think the head, the quarterback's going to go out in the first quarter and the backup's going to come in and do this. Like You don't handicap that way. You're just like... These both these quarterbacks are playing and the turnover battle is going to be remotely even, you know, so just keep that in mind. Um, I wanted to talk about Josh McDaniel again because I brought it up yesterday, but then there was a stat that came out that this is great. So I already told you, like, they're down 23-18 with a little over two minutes left. They have all their timeouts and Josh McDaniel decides to kick a field goal for God knows what reason. And I told you, ESPN Analytics said the Raiders had a 15.8% win probability if they would have went for it compared to 10.2% by kicking the field goal. There was a Twitter account that came out there yesterday that said, since the two-point conversion was adopted in 1994, we're in year 2023, last time I checked. So that's been almost 30 years, 29 years of statistics in the NFL since they've had the two-point conversion. The Raiders were the only team ever to attempt a field goal in the last three minutes of the fourth quarter when they were down by exactly eight points with less than five yards to go for a first down or a touchdown. Good job, Josh McDaniels. Good job. And I'm sorry, here is something that's driving me absolutely nuts in the NFL right now. It's been going on for a couple of years, and I understand, hell, if... This it's been going on for ever since Tom Brady was with the Patriots because he was I, I he's the first quarterback I remember just perfecting this. And that is the fourth and one, fourth and inches, where the quarterback just takes the hike and it's a full rugby scrum, and he's got two running backs behind him, pushing him in the ass forward, and every single time they convert a first down. If you watch the Monday night game, Eagles and Bucks, how many times did Jalen Hurts do that? Five? Like every single time they were third and one or fourth and one, here's Jalen Hurts under center being pushed by the running backs. And you're just like, how does anybody even stop this? Most teams in the NFL, defensive players say it's ridiculous because there's nothing we can do. At least if you run a play, we can scheme better. We can maybe, you know, maybe steal your signals. We can actually have a chance at stopping something. Yet for this play, this rugby scrum that they do, where it's just everybody bunches up, they hike it to the quarterback, and he just runs forward because his linemen get lower than the defensive linemen. I hate it. Let's let's ban this from the game. I know it's been talked about, 
But after I saw it happen five, six times, I mean, I wonder what the number was on Monday night. I swear I counted at least four or five, and I might have missed one. The Eagles did it over and over and over again. And look, credit to them. It got them the first down every time, if not a touchdown on one of them. But it's like, is that what the fans want to see? Every time that there's a fourth and one, it's a big play. It's at midfield. The Bucks fans are going crazy. And it's just like, all right, well, if Jalen Hurts is going to line up under center, automatic first down. Like, why are we even running the play? Just give them the first down because it can't be stopped. And I'm like, can we just, can we make it to where they force these teams to run a play, an actual play? Hand it off to a running back. Run an RPO. Run a bootleg. Just do something creative as other than, here, let's hike it and push our quarterback from the ass behind. It's like it's like the Bush push from the uh, the SC days where they beat Notre Dame on the last play of the game when Reggie Bush pushed Matt Leinart into the end zone. It's always like that's where it was almost, I think it was started then. Man, that, that was the thing that kind of got it on the map. And then Tom Brady was known for doing it as well. And look, I don't, I'm not saying, I don't fault the offensive teams for doing it because there's nothing in the league that says you can't do it. I'm just saying, I think it's about time the league steps in and says, no more. You got to run a play. I mean, I know that's technically a play, but you have to run a play where you hike it to the quarterback and he doesn't just run forward or being pushed forward. Or maybe you just say, hey, the quarterback can do that. He can take the snap and lunge forward. He just can't have anybody push him. Because I think that's what's adding to it. If you have your momentum going forward and you have two running backs pushing you in the ass going forward, how does anybody stop that? I don't think they can. So maybe they just say no more running backs pushing you or they just outlaw it and say, look, you got to hike it and the quarterback has to either hand off, run a bootleg, run a pass play, whatever. He can't just take the snap and lunge forward. I, I, I'm I'm sick of it. I just don't think it's good. I just don't think it's fun. I don't think it's entertaining for the fans. And low, it had nothing to do with the facts that I had the Bucks a plus five on Monday night. It had nothing to do with that. I've hated that play for the longest time now. It just sucks. It's not fun. Make them run a play. Make make the game more strategic. There's nothing strategic about that play. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Also rate and review. Tell your friends about it. We're getting good. We're getting good with the picks, right? 22, uh, what are we at? 22, 16, and 2, and 24. No, 20, shit, 24. 24, 16, and 2? Man, I'm way off. (laughs) College football, 22, 12, and 2 against the spread this year. That's over 60%. NFL, I'm 12 and 8. That's exactly 60% on the season. So, going to have some plays coming for you on Friday. Look forward to that. Again, tell your friends about it. Hopefully, they can, you know, win a couple bucks here and there and thank me later. Uh, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television.